Hello, this is Victor Lopez, and uh, today I'd like to read for you a uh, preview, uh, maybe half of the short story or so. It's a pretty long short story. End of Days, from my latest short story collection, Echoes of the Mind's Eye. Uh, the uh, book uh, was uh, just published uh, in uh, 2021, and the copyright is held by, uh, by me, Victor D. Lopez. End of Days. God spoke to me last night. No, I'm not a schizophrenic or a Jesus freak, nor am I a conspiracy theorist. Well, except for the JFK assassination, of course, unless principles of quantum mechanics somehow apply to bullets fired from book depositories with inhuman rapidity to perform a dance macabre through the bodies of governors before striking their intended target. But I know precisely the series of events that will result in the end of the world and will eventually give birth to a brand new universe. It came to me in a dream. No, really, it did. It all started pretty much like a bad Hollywood disaster flick. Sorry, I know, that's redundant. With well-intended and well-funded mad scientists doing what comes natural in fiction as well as in fact. Build us a big hadron super collider and we'll find the elusive higgs boson god particle. Maybe we'll even produce a unified field theory that incorporates the pesky behavior of subatomic particles and allows us to demystify quantum mechanics once and for all. It turns out, not surprising to anyone other than scientists, of course, that a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, and that allowing children to play unsupervised in a chemistry lab or with super-duper neato particle accelerators is not such a good thing after all. Who'd have thunk it? The first hint that something was just a bit off-kilter came in the form of assurances by project scientists delivered with the usual smug expressions and thinly-veiled contempt with which they usually approach any communication with the unwashed masses, that yes, miniature black holes could probably be created by subatomic particles accelerated at nearly light speed through a 17-mile circular particle accelerator and forced to collide in a massive release of energy. But such black holes would quickly dissipate. No, they smiled complacently, there is absolutely no danger in these experiments. The second hint of a problem, and by hint I mean klaxons going off and red lights flashing and the original Robbie the Robot's accordion arms waving wildly while proclaiming, Danger, Will Robinson, came when the Hadron Super Collider suffered some unspecified problems that caused it to be shut down for months on end after its full-scale test. When the 17-mile supercollider was once again brought back online, headlines proclaimed the countdown would begin again for the end of the world. Smile, snicker, ha-ha. What was not reported was the actual reason for the shutdown, since no one, including the geniuses running the experiment, knew the real cause. Pesky miniature black hole did not quickly dissipate in the lab as expected and caused a nearly catastrophic shutdown as it drilled an invisible hole just a few molecules wi wide, eagerly sucking up 
anything that crossed its tiny event horizon. While accelerating slowly but inexorably downward, worming its way through the containment chamber, rapidly vacuuming vital bits of temperamental equipment on its way to the center of the Earth. Not to worry, though. It is still relatively small, despite its voracious, unquenchable appetite. But it is exponentially increasing its mass as it swings like a pendulum through the Earth's core and beyond it in decreasing arcs that will eventually settle it at the Earth's core. It will likely be many years before we begin to feel the cataclysmic seismic effects of its inexorable violation of the Earth's core, and longer still before the entire planet and every living thing in it is sucked into its vortex, followed thereafter by the moon and then the outer planets and the growing black hole continues its feeding frenzy, eventually consuming the entire solar system and Sol itself. But that is unlikely to happen for many years, perhaps millennia in the future, given the diminutive size of the black hole at present. And scientists still believe that the equipment failure was unrelated to its actual cause, since the unreported black hole, the initial full-scale test produced, dissipated soon after its formation according to their classified reports. Therefore, the supercollider was repaired, and billions of euros later, the scientists have their plaything once more, and science is free to continue its happy march toward oblivion. If it ended there, we'd have very little to worry about in the short term other than perhaps ever-increasing seismic activity. Even the hungriest little black hole needs a great deal of time to ingest the planet from the inside out. And if later laboratory-created black holes don't ingest other vital pieces of sensitive equipment on their way to joining their older brother down the rabbit hole in their inexorable journey to swallow our blue planet, we'd probably kill ourselves off through war, pestilence, famine, or other forms of humanity's endless capacity for galloping stupidity long before daddy's and mommy's little darlings consumed the world. That's why, if my prescient dream had ended there, I'd shake it off with a smile and go about my day without another thought, compartmentalizing the certain knowledge of future doom in the nether regions of my mind right next to the knowledge of the unsustainability of our ballooning federal and state deficits and the possibility of an asteroid hit that will once again eradicate most flora and fauna on this planet. Unfortunately, Scientists are not the only ones who like to play God. They are just more tragic and contemptible in their efforts at doing so because they should know better. They are like amoebas, attempting to extrapolate the secrets of the universe by examining in minutest detail the drop of fetid swamp water atop a floating leaf that they inhabit. In a very real sense, scientists are among the smartest amoebas. All hail their boundless wisdom. But others like to play in the hedonistic god sandbox, too. And here is where my prescient dream grows infinitely darker. It so happens that terrorists pay attention to science, despite the mad rantings of so many of them against it. Science, after all, brought us TNT, the A-bomb, the H-bomb, 
weaponized anthrax, and lots of other cool goodies that are wonderful additions to the terrorist toolkit. As it happens, one particularly well-funded, well-connected group in the Middle East thinks it a grand idea to blow Israel off the face of the earth before that ever even better funded and better connected state has the chance to do the same to them, or to their proxy states. They have acquired a gaggle of disaffected, underemployed Russian physicists and funded them generously to produce outside-the-box ideas for a doomsday device on the cheap. They did not have 17-mile supercolliders to play with, and jihadist physicists are a rare breed. But not to worry, they had something better. Money. Lots of it. And the ability to entice scientists who view themselves above pedantic bourgeois notions of ethics and for whom science is the only religion. Undaunted by any notions of right and wrong and guided by the simple principle that if it can be done, it must be done, these brilliant men and women soon developed a working experiment that presented an elegant solution that their benefactors immediately approved. Their plan was exquisitely simple and required very little by way of resources beyond two suitcase nukes that can easily be obtained either from Russia, the cheap old-world loose nukes listed simply as missing from the former Soviet inventory, or spanking new state-of-the-art but untried ones from the secret Pakistani stash. They opted for the Russian suitcase nukes, in part because they did not want a trusted ally compromised in the event that their experiment did not attain the desired ends. The two suitcase nukes have been mounted at precise distances from one another in the cargo hold of a modified old Boeing 747 passenger plane from, ter from a terrorist-friendly country, and are equipped with the best military-grade timers available, obtained from a close U.S. ally in the region. The simultaneous detonation of these nuclear devices will force the collision of countless billions of subatomic particles accelerated to nearly light speed through the old-fashioned process of nuclear fission to strike one another, thereby creating large numbers of miniature black holes like an endless row of a poor man's super collider working in unison. Granted, the effect will be somewhat messy and difficult to quantify, but these matters are of little consequence to scientists interested in practical results rather than peer-reviewed publications or Nobel Prizes in Physics. These black holes will almost instantaneously absorb one another and anything that crosses the diminutive event horizons, growing exponentially into sizable singularities like a billions upon billions of mutually attractive droplets of mercury coalescing into a single, massive, uniform mass. The initial devastation of the simultaneous nuclear blasts will pale in comparison to the aftermath of the singularity's effect as it forms and begins to absorb everything in its path, growing exponentially as it falls to the center of the Earth pulled by the Earth's gravity, absorbing matter in ever greater quantities as it falls through the Earth's core and continues beyond it to the near the Earth's crust on the opposite side of the globe.
impelled by its accelerated mass, only to yield again to the attracting force of Earth's gravity, falling downward to repeat the cycle in ever slightly decreasing arcs before finally settling at the center of the Earth's molten core, along with its diminutive Hadron supercollider-born baby brother, devouring it faster and faster as its mass grows. The time scale for the catastrophic end is uncertain, but the effect inevitable in fairly short order. We will perish from the cataclysmic, unprecedented earthquakes, volcanoes, and tsunamis long before every atom succumbs to the irresistible pull of the voracious singularity. The attack has not yet come, but is imminent. I have seen the airplane in a hangar. I know that a simple cover story is being planned to allow this Trojan horse to be welcomed into Israeli airspace. As I write this, unsuspecting Muslim families with school-aged children are being recruited by the terrorist organization aided by an international charitable organization under the auspices of the United Nations. Children for Peace will be the name of the organized event that will unite Arab and Jewish families for discussions on initiatives that private citizens of goodwill can take to bring peace to the region for the benefit of all people, of all races, of all religions, for all time. The Israeli Air Defense Forces will detect the well-shielded nukes just before the Children for Peace plane crosses its airspace, courtesy of American-provided AWAC planes and satellites equipped to detect radioactivity in the minutest quantities. Jets will scramble and will be met by the Honor Guard fighter escort of the peace mission, which will include high-ranking officials from several Arab states used as pawns in the world's deadliest chess game. Israel will give the order to shoot down the plane after tense minutes of weighing the no-win scenario of allowing a potential nuclear threat into its airspace or shooting down a civilian plane on a diplomatic mission with high-ranking neighboring diplomats on board. Before the order can be carried out or the fighter jets can engage, the bombs will be detonated less than a minute from Israel's border. The EMP emitted by the twin blasts will effectively leave Israel and her neighbors blind, deaf, and mute. Military and civilian planes will fall from the sky throughout the region, generating stations will grind to a halt, and nuclear generating plants will begin the inexorable process of meltdown. All local electric grids will fail. Traffic will come to a sudden, messy, bloody halt as planes, trains, buses, and automobiles all lose control all at once, even outside the blast radius. Long before the devastating effects of the fallout can be felt, countless Muslims, Jews, Christians will meet horrible deaths, oblivious as to the cause, as everything that requires a transistor in the ubiquitous computer chips we've grown completely dependent on is irreparably fried in a circumference of hundreds of miles from the actual blast. But none of that will matter. The singularities will coalesce and fall to earth, oblivious to those both weeping and dancing in the streets in countries around the world, beginning their 
inexhaustible feeding frenzy that will in time consume not just the earth long after all life in it has died due to the catastrophic seismic activities and worldwide unprecedented simultaneous volcanic eruptions along known fault lines and newly created ones all over the world. The moon will follow in turn and our entire solar system in due course, including Sol. The plane is built, the plan is unfolding and will be carried out whether in weeks, months, or perhaps even a year, I do not know. There is nothing that we can do to stop it. My attempts to contact U.S. intelligence and law enforcement have been, unsurprisingly, futile. Predictably, they are not interested in dreams, prescience, or otherwise, or messages from God, unless, of course, he cares to call them collect. Thanks to the Patriot Act, all of my communications are now monitored, cell, online, landline, and there may be men in black hanging around the neighborhood, though I have not seen them, and frankly doubt, messages from God much interest them either. I guess I should consider myself lucky. I suppose there are simply too many cranks and outright nutjobs loose for the government to give much thought to dreamers with delusions of grandeur. At least I'll have my freedom until Armageddon comes to pass. If there is a silver lining to all of this, it is that I know what neither mercenary nor traditional scientists know. A small grace, perhaps, but a great source of comfort to me. I know precisely how our universe began and how it will end. I know what came before the Big Bang, what gave it birth, and what will come after the colossal crunch that will be its eventual end as entropy sets in, the weak gravitational forces begin to contract, the universe, once it reaches the apogee of its expansion, and matter begins to coalesce into larger and larger black holes. I also know that there is not one universe, but many an infinite number, in fact, an infinite variety of sizes, all coexisting within the fabric of space-time. The math is beyond my ability to comprehend, but the intuitive leap was clear in my divinely inspired dream. This is the end of the preview. Thank you very much for listening.